And today is November 28th in the year 2023. And actually quite an amazing day. So for those of you who have been following some of this journey that I've been on, we're going to get into some of that tonight. I'm actually down in Tucson and in the hotel tonight following a day of some surgery that was a pretty amazing experience and really reflects a lot of what the main part of this fight is about, which is, I'd probably say has taken us the better part of the three and a half, four years that I've been broadcasting to really identify, which is the family, which is ultimately where this entire enemy has focused its attention 
and has continued to distract us and to lead us places far away from the root of what they've been trying to do, which is to destroy the family and to do it in some of the most corruptive ways. Before we get going tonight, one thing is to be to be very aware of right now is the entire intensity that's going on with our financial system and the attempts to constantly try to bury us more in debt, push more paper currency upon us, put more weight of burden of debt on the future generations. That's all their enslavement trap. And whatever you have right now in retirement savings needs to be converted over to something that's going to be secure and is real. That's precious metals. And so what I would highly recommend you do is to get hold of Birch Gold. So all you have to do is text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to the number 989898. Again, BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. Birch Gold will send you a free information packet on gold and how they can help you convert your retirement savings to gold and, and precious metals. And they do a lot more than that as well. If you have an existing IRA or 401k, they can make the conversion to you out of pocket and no extra charge. And they have some great deals going on right now and in, in, I should say incentives. So check it out. Head on over to, well, you don't head over to, just go to your cell phone, pick it up, type in 98 or type in the, the word BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, text it to 989898. And Birch Gold will take care of you and get you set up. You'll get that information package. You read through it, then contact them. They've been with us for well over a year. They've been doing a fantastic job with Patriots here. And that's worth a lot. So again, BARDS, B-A-R-D-S to 989898. Text that and do that today. Okay, so let's get into the journey, which has been actually pretty profound and far more profound than I ever thought it would be. Um, I'm down in Tucson. I actually flew down Monday. And I came down here to go to a clinic called Dads Again. And this clinic is the world-renowned clinic to have vasectomy reversals done. And when I was 37 years old, which is 21 years, it'll actually be almost 22 years this January, I had a vasectomy done. And I really don't know what motivated me to do, I do, but I mean, when, in the context of what we're trying to rebuild in the families, it's a, it's a diluted concept. It only comes from a broken society and a, basically a bankrupt culture. But my motivation for getting a vasectomy was essentially I didn't want to take any chance or responsibility of having children. And that's a long litany of a story. And it goes back to years. And it, it goes back to a, a broken marriage marriages ultimately, but at that time, a broken marriage, a lot of years with raising two adopted kids that turned out to be less than what I would say ideal. And so I just didn't, in the mindset that I was in, I didn't have any desire to have children, but I also didn't have a relationship with God. And that's ultimately the first major gap that the enemy used against me and literally weaponized me in their war of destroying the family. So one would ask probably, well, you know, isn't that your choice? Does it matter? You're only one person. The answer is no, it was never my choice. 
Because if God intended me to cut off the root of the seed and the men carry the seed of life, he would have given me an off switch. And he didn't. And this is part of the modern world thinking is that we have a choice on these things and get to choose the size of our family, how many we have, if we're going to have children, if we're not going to have children. And that doesn't fit biblical biblical framework. In fact, families are the root of this victory of this war. And, and ideally, if you, if you literally look at where the enemy is attacking, you're going to see that truth if you're willing to step back and look at it. The war right now in children is off the scale. And that should be the first major clue that they want to destroy and corrupt every child in this world. But they don't just want to corrupt them, let's be clear. They want to mutilate them. And the idea is to get people so wrapped around this idea that gender is an option that what they are, what they're doing is they're convincing parents to lead their children into the sacrificial process of destroying the perfection of the gender which God gave them. And to do that, they use, it, they use this gender plurality, like you were born one way, but you can choose another. It's complete nonsense, but it's all about the worship of their God and an attack against the one God, the true God, the God of hosts. That war is ongoing, it's insidious, it's continuing to go, and unfortunately, there are parents out here that are continuing to walk their children to the altar of sacrifice. And not in a small way either. When you start to dig into this, and we are now officially have started the filming of this documentary, and it began on Monday, which was yesterday. This documentary is called Bards of War, Family is Everything, which is an inspired title that Michelle from Resistance Chicks came up with. And I'm working with, just so you know, the team. It's the Cantrell family. It's Michelle and Leah, the Resistance Chicks. It's myself. And it's Rhonda, who was in, heavily involved. You will know more about her. And she's heavily involved in identifying the root of this transgender nonsense and this horrors of the satanic cult that have been mutilating children and leading to their sacrifice as we go. All of this thing is coming together now in a documentary that will be released on my birthday, 1-11th in, in 2024. And it's a very important story because it gets to the root of where the real war is. Because we have fought the wars. We have fought wars all over the globe. I was in one of those wars, Afghanistan. And we all thought we were doing the righteous thing and turning a blind eye to the one of the most insidious wars ever. Now, and just so I say it, because I didn't get the whole name, it's Rhonda Miller of Purple for Parents. And thank you, Michelle, for putting that up. Appreciate it. Um, so that's Rhonda for, she's the other voice in this. And she's, her research is brilliant. And we're going to get a chance to really run to the root of where this family destruction came and how it became normalized. And it's normalized in, in levels that people are, are going to end up having to really reassess how they run their lives. But we have fought these wars. And these wars have been all over the globe. And we've traveled places and sent our, our youth out there. And we've sent our men out there. And they've come back in way too many body bags and way too much damage to them. As they have, this elite has tried to do everything it can to gut our culture and destroy us from within. But the real war has always been the family. Because the family is the root of all things 
fantastic, and great in kingdom. It is the anointed process by which the living word comes to life. And we just don't value family like that. They've used economic warfare to downsize the family. They have used job relocation and displacement to divide the family. They have used the war on women to get women to demand equal rights, to tear apart the unity of the man on t- the man as the head of the family and the balance between the man and the wife. They have used public schools to indoctrinate children to go further, to hate their parents and feed them further, to decide that the gender in which their, ch- their parents brought them in this world with through the blessings of God are wrong. All of these things have happened to us and have been happening to us and continue to happen to us. And at the root is that always has been the target to destroy the man because the man is the key. He is the seed of Adam. He is the seed which ultimately brings life. And the woman is the womb in which life is incubated and brought into this world. So back in... When I was 37 years old, I had met somebody. It was a second. It would have been. It would become my second marriage. And in getting together, she was older than me. And so I made a decision that I was going to take away any risk of having kids. So I went to a Planned Parenthood, and I had a vasectomy done. And I'll never forget the doctor's words to me. And it's very important for what I'm going to, how this story is going to unfold today because I'm going to show you how God works today in mighty ways. But that doctor told me at the time, he said, he asked me before he put me under the knife, so to speak, are you sure you want to get this done? I said, yes. He said, because the way I do it, these were his words, you will never be able to reverse it. And I said, yes, get it done. And I didn't think much about it at the time until later I really did feel it. And here's what's really interesting, too, and I've not spoken to this to anybody before, but I will tell you now. Since that time, there has been a subtle pain where that surgery was, and it has existed with me for 22 years. And so to get a reversal done at 22, you're on that list of people that it falls in like the 70% chance of getting it done of having any success with it. But this was not driven by a, a relationship. It was not driven by my desire to have more children, though if that blessing ever came, I would take it with open arms. It's not based on me being in some relationship because I'm not. It's not based on me having a, a target on finding a future wife because that's not on my radar. And I say all these things for multitudes of reasons because you have to get to the core of what the real motivation was. It's because God showed me my heir. And I can tell you exactly where that was. I was in Ohio. I had left the ARC experience. And I had just finished walking that. And I was filling up the Jeep at a Love's truck stop. And the Holy Spirit spoke into my head. And I realized what I had done. And what I had done was that I had cut off the seed of life without God's approval or his sanction. I committed quite ultimately, probably one of the ultimate sins. And so I went through a process of repentance and then made the determination at that time that since I could 
I must do everything I can to restore the damage which I had my hand in, in doing. And that began with a call to a, a couple doctor friends that I have, great ones, who you would know, but I'll keep their names out just for sake of this. And one of them began a research to try to find somebody that might be able to help. And I just didn't like what I was finding because there just seemed to be, I don't know, just wasn't, there was a lot of uncertainty, too much uncertainty. So I let it sit for a number of weeks and I prayed on it and prayed on it. Finally, one morning I got up and I started doing a research, or maybe it was late at night actually. It was late at night because I called the next morning and I found this place that came up after a rather extensive research. But before I got to that place, I started to look for reversal clinics and I started naturally local in my market, which would have been from Southern Oregon. Those local markets that would handle something like that might be Eugene or it would be most likely Portland, but it was really uneasy feeling because Portland has one of the finest medical or had one of the finest clinic, medical clinics in the world, which is Oregon Health Sciences, OHSU, Oregon Health Sciences University. They're, they're the West Coast Mayo Clinic. But here's why that gets weird, is they have become the, one of the most advanced transgender conversion hospitals in the nation. So obviously I wasn't looking there. So I continued my search, only to discover that the, the vasectomy clinics that were in Portland weren't just a few, they were many. And this is where it gets very dark. Vasectomy clinics in Portland were staffing with two to four doctors, and they were doing an average of 10 vasectomies a day. You can start doing the math on that and how quickly that adds up. And they were pushing their vasectomies towards 18 and 20-year-olds in, in the mid, throughout their 20s with saying things like this. You can get this reversed. And that's um, technically true. It's functionally wrong for many, many reasons, which we'll get into. And as I continued my search, I became acutely aware that this idea of vasectomy, which has been, we just kind of talk about offhanded, that is being pushed by many churches. It's been encouraged by churches because men are trying to do a noble thing in certain degrees. In other ways, it's just corrupted thinking. It's definitely not biblical. And trying to look at the vasectomy as a way to prevent their wives from having to take birth control or prevent their wives from having to even consider an abortion, or which is all... This is all the screwed up thinking that goes on here. And this comes from a long history of the attack on men, which began in the love revolution in the 60s, free love revolution, which targeted women first and equal rights. Then it got them to start using birth control so they didn't have to have kids. They could have sex for pleasure, but not sex, but not intercourse for the creation of children. That leads to, in the equality market, where we start to demand other alternatives for those that fail, hence the rise of abortions as a public debacle and willful acceptance by a public that's brainwashed. And then that leads to the point of why should women have to carry all the burden? Why can't men just fix it for us and they take the responsibility? So there's all this teasings of male birth control and then there's the solution that pops up. It's a vasectomy. 
And believe me, this is far worse than I had ever imagined. And we're going to go into it. So I find this clinic, it's called, it's called Dad's Again. It's down in Tucson. And it's a completely opposite of anything you've ever encountered. This is not a clinic of a medical system. This is a clinic of a doctor who built this, who believes in restoring life. And I made my appointment for this day, and I did it over a month ago. And they have a flat rate fee, which isn't cheap, but they'd have a flat rate fee. So no matter how they do the surgery, there's, a, there's two ways that they can do a restoration surgery. And they guarantee that cost. So they, it won't, and because some clinics will say like, well, we're going to do it the easy way. There's, and that's when they reconnect the Ives Deverins and they don't have to do an intersection, which is a long story, which I won't get into tonight. But in anyway, the one surgery they do, and if you do the other surgery, people have been known to walk out of hospitals or with an additional bill of $50,000. So it's a racket. This clinic charges a flat fee, $8,700. And that's everything. So I made my appointment, got my plane tickets, got my hotel, and Monday I flew down. And it was one of these, these surgeries that as I've been working through my own work since Bard's Fest and have been continuing to watch God work within me and experiencing some amazing transformations, some awakenings, there has been a lot of anticipation of this day because I knew that there was something very big coming. And so we came into the clinic. I say we, Paul Cantrell was down here, and that was the first sign that things were really on the right track. They were down here for Thanksgiving they were planning on Thanksgiving, and Paul called me, and he said, since we're there for Thanksgiving, we are going to stay over for your surgery and stay with you the entire time. I had calls from some other folks that we knew um, who asked if they needed, if they wanted me to fly down and join me, which was just an amazing outpouring of support. I had a lot of prayers sent to me from Bars Nation, so thank you very much, by the way. Very humbling. And so we, I got here on Monday, checked into the hotel, met up with the Cantrells, which of course, that's just an experience of like overflowing love with the children and their family. You walk out of there feeling like someone gave you like a re-energized battery for life. And so this morning, I went into the clinic at 7 a.m. And you start, it's a three-step indoctrination that you go through in, in um first one is with this nurse attendant. And we went through the paperwork we had to go through, verification of birth date and, and all these things. And then he takes me to a map. He says, well, now we have to go to the map. And we walk down the hallway. And what's amazing around this hallway as you walk down is that all the hallway is covered with pictures of families with babies that have been able to come into this world because this doctor and his team, Dr. Marks, is restoring men's ability to have children. And it's just the hallways are lined with pictures of babies and pictures of families with babies. And so I go up to a map, and there's two maps. There's a map straight ahead, which is the United States and Canada, and then there's a map on the left of you, which is a world map, and it's covered with pins, white-headed and black-headed pins. And Howard, who's the nurse attendant, hands me a pin. He says, now it's your turn. Put your pin from where you're from. And you look at this map, which we have it on video, by the way. You'll see it in the film. And we have it, and you look at this map, and you realize that this single doctor is bringing life 
from heaven into this world. And it's all, it's packed with pins all over the world, every continent, every country. So it's amazing. So I put my pin in to discover that someone else from my same hometown had done it. But here's what was really interesting to me. I looked at Oregon. I mean, I looked all over, but I really focused on Oregon. And there's a mass, I mean, this is like an intense, dense cluster of pins right in the Portland, Salem area. Well, what is that? That is like satanic headquarters USA right there. And it struck me. It's like, isn't that amazing? That that's also where I had my vasectomy done. That's the mindset. That's the place where people get this done and then later realize they've made a mistake. Because now they want children or whatever. This is, this is the war of evil. To destroy the seed of men. To cut it off. So we went back into the room. And we did some more paperwork. And in, in comes the... Uh, office manager, she's next, she's the second part of the indoctrination. And she brings in the paperwork and uh, we start talking and she brings up, she says, okay, now is the hard question. She says, she says, um, we're going to ask you if you want to bank your, your fluid, which is to bank your, your semen. And to bank it in case something goes wrong, in case you want to use it. And, and the minute she said that, I hear God's voice. He says, do not bank. And I said, okay. I said, well, I don't want to bank it. She says, okay. But you still have to sign this form. She says, because we, the doctor will determine, well, you'll have that discussion about banking with the doctor. But this form is to ask you. Now, this is where it just, it absolutely hit me like a, I, I, I mean, I looked at Paul Cantrell is on my left. I said, I've never had a question even of this magnitude. And she says, if we bank it, you have to determine what the fate of it is if you die. Do you want to hand it over to somebody you're intimately involved with, which I don't have anybody, and that responsibility for them to be able to use it or not, or do you want us to destroy it? And suddenly it hits you that you're in a clinic that's about restoring life that gives more glory to the importance of the seed than any church in this entire world. There isn't, and I, I, I may overstate that a bit, but there is, I don't know of a church in this country, let's say it that way, that will teach the importance and the value and the preciousness of the man's seed as they did in one document, which you literally have to sign your rights away or say you don't want it banked. That's how important this is to them because from a medical science point of view, what they are doing is they are taking full responsibility for your life. And we don't take that much responsibility ourselves. This is a very, very dark statement towards the state of the church in this country. And it is bankrupt. And you can guarantee I am on fire on this one because we are, they are the problem and the root of this problem for why we are here because they have turned their back on God in the most fundamental sense, which is we are responsible for the cherishing and the preserving and the propagation of life. And so that also gets into the whole principles, which comes up in Genesis of casting your seed on the ground, men, which is about gets into the principles of why we say masturbation is so bad because it's, it's you're throwing away life. 
and men carry life. So when we finished with that, I, this Don, this, the office attendant, Don, I had already talked to her some weeks before and had discovered that she had lost her son 18 months ago. And on the phone, we prayed. And I asked her, I said, why are you, why is this, do you enjoy your job? I said, she said, yes, I do. She said, I liked my job before. And she says, but now she says, my job has so much more value to me. She says, because I lost my son 18 months ago. And it was, I don't have the details, nor if I did what I shared, unless she gave me permission. But I would simply tell you that I do know that it was a violent and sudden death that was unexpected. And I looked at her and I said, well, you know, we're not going to get out of here without praying for you. And she looked at me and she says, Scott, we've been, I've been excited about having you come. She says, and I knew you would pray. She says, if you look at my face, you'll see there is no makeup on today. So we prayed. And, and I prayed and then Paul prayed and we prayed over her. And it was a blessing of blessings to be able to go to a clinic to give somebody the blessing of God. And the words of God that told her he's proud of her because of all the things that she has done in spite of the loss of her son to help others bring sons into this world. And that was a prophetic word that spoke both through Paul and myself. And so... She left, and we finished that indoctrination, and in came the doctor. And, and Dr. Marx is a unique doctor. He is a man who has so much God on him. I don't, I can tell you this way. He is not, he would be one who I would call a stealth Christian. He doesn't wear his Christianese on his sleeve, but this man is 100% driven towards restoring life and propagating the life of this planet because it is what our function is, as he says himself. He is a microsurgeon of an extraordinary level. When he was in his early days of his youth, and he didn't give an exact time, but somewhere between 10 or 14 years old, he was obsessed with doing things under a microscope and literally wrote the entire Gettysburg Address on the back of a postage stamp among many other things, including painting flowers on the head of pins. He's unbelievably good. And this discussion went into banking, which I told him we weren't going to bank. Now, here's, here's another part of this process that I was very candid about, because one of the recommended post-operative procedures for men is that you have to have a um, a release. You have to you have to have an ejaculation. Excuse me for the words, but this is all medical and true. For after the fourteen days, you're supposed to do that every twenty four or forty eight hours for up to four months. Now, even for a marriage, that can be stressful. But as I explained to as I asked him the question about it, because this now gets us in conflict with biblical principle. Because if you don't do it, if you do it, then you're going to be in violation of what God says, which is not to throw our seed on the ground. 
And I asked him, I said, well, I said, what happens if you don't do these procedures? And his honest, his answer was, we actually don't know, he said, because we've never done it that way. And, but we just do these as safety protocols to ensure that there will be fluid running through these reconnected pipes, as he calls it. And he said, we've never had it happen before. I said, well, you're about ready to learn. He said, good, you'll be our case study. I said, good, because I'm not going to violate that principle. And you have to understand, again, the commitment I'm making on this walk. This walk is because I was called by God, and it is the only way to do it. And if we're going to walk this walk truly and submit to the yes of our Father, there are biblical lines we will not cross no matter what. And we have to put, and there's a real question here of where is our faith? Is our faith in our Father or is our faith in the medical institution? The part of the medical part that I follow is they will restore the connection. That next piece, though, you cannot violate the medical, the biblical walk, and I won't. So he then draws out a drawing, and it's a, it's a course sketch, and he shows where the origins of the man's semen start, and it goes through the vas deferens, and it goes down this, on the edge of the man's testes and then it makes a turn and this is very important to understand this because as it comes down and makes a turn it's at that point that the semen has now gained its ability to swim okay but in that pathway from the testes down that side of, of what is the vas deferens there is a transformation that happens that takes it basically from a mass which will in in biblical framing, we'll call it clay. And as it spans down to the bottom of the turn, it turns into life. And he says to me, and he's laying this down, he says, I've worked at the best clinics in the world. I've worked at Mayo. I've worked at the uh, Rochester Clinic. I've worked at clinics all over the world. And he said, I've worked with the finest PhDs out there. And he says, I've asked them, he says, how does this happen? And they said, well, it happens. He said, they, this mass of material leaves the testicle, the testes, and it travels down the, the, the edge of this vas deferens, and then it makes the turn, and then it has the ability of the tail where she can swim. And he says, that's not what I'm asking you. How does that transformation happen? And he said, every single one of them he asked answered the same way. We don't know. They don't know because that's where God works. That is truly the blessing and the miracle of life right there that it's happening and God is giving this blessing. So now let me put in framing what actually happens when this darkness, this evil has convinced men to have a vasectomy. Because what happens is that it, that vasectomy cut, by the way, is after the sperm has gained the ability to swim. That means it's after it's been blessed with the power of life. And what happens when sperm goes into a man's body? The body attacks it like a foreign agent because it's not supposed to be in a man. Now I want you to just replicate that across gay culture. I want you to replicate that across transgender culture. I want you to think about what that just did to the man that turned the man into a weapon against, his own, against their own father. That means that men that have vasectomies, when, it's, when that thing comes around, and some of that material, that material has to be absorbed back into the body because the, it doesn't, when you get a vasectomy, they cut the tube, they don't stop the source. And so that material is absorbed. The semen is absorbed into the body. The body is attacking it as a foreign agent. That means literally God is blessing 
a man to have children and to bring them into the world. And men through a, a vasectomy are using their own body to abort life. This is a darkest sin I've ever imagined. And it causes enormous other medical problems, which they now know. And that's even verified by Dr. Lee Merritt. So the darkness of this whole piece, which ultimately comes from the satanic origins, is that this is turning and weaponizing the man who should be the head of the family into a vehicle of death, which is giving a death curse across his entire family. So from that point, we go into surgery. And surgery is an interesting thing. And as we walk, it gets in, you go into your pre-op room, you strip, you go then into the table, and they, they use a sedative not and not anesthesia, which I like a lot better because these put you to sleep basically. A surgery is supposed to take four hours. I will tell you that I was blessed with an enormous number of prayers on this and incredible prayers and prophetic words that were spoken the day before over this and have been spoken over the last week. We had people go into prayer in the, I had, I didn't ask for it. People were just calling me and saying, we're going into prayer for you in the morning. We're going to the prayer for you all day long. I had prayers even into two, it was almost 2 a.m. before we finished prayers. And I say all this because what happens over the next period of time is all God. So they go through, they go into the surgery and I'm now completely in a sleep state. Not, and this is surgery is supposed to take four hours. The end of the day, the surgery took an hour and a half. And in that process, they take us, they take a sample of your fluid to check, to see if there is still life left in your body. And if they are then going to have to take, sometimes it can take up to a year before that process restarts to where that mass that we were referring to becomes the, the semen with the, with the tail to swim. It takes up to a year to regenerate. And so in this process, we're getting near the end. And I'm going to tell this story in two optics. I'm going to tell it first from the medical optic, which is what happens on the table. I hear the voice of Howard, who's the attendant, saying, I'll shake him on the shoulders. And he mentions something about a heart rate. And he begins to shake me. And I open my eyes, and the first thing I say to him, I said, my heart rate is fine. But my heart rate had gone from 54 to 25, suddenly dropped. And they they thought they were going to lose me. And they... And so Howard was waking me up and I woke up and I looked at it. I I couldn't hardly see. I just said, my heart rate is fine. I said, I used to work out my heart rate when I was working. I used to be an endurance type workout. And I said, and and it's funny I said that because that goes back to the age 18 and 20 when I was doing that. It's not me now, but I'll get to that, why that's important in a second. And, And so we had to scare her for a minute and the doctor quickly turned 
and he, he looked at me and he said, Scott, it's going great. And I kind of dozed back off and then kind of came out of it. But let me tell you what was happening on my end. Because their end, and I talked to Dr. Marks and I talked to Howard, he goes, we really thought we were going to lose you. He said, we didn't know what happened. Your heart rate went from 52 to 25, all of a sudden of a drop. I'll tell you why it did. Because right at that moment, I looked up and God looked me in the face and I looked in his face and he held me. to comfort me and to give me gifts that I have yet to discover. And for that moment, my heart rate dropped because I was with him. It was one of the most profound experiences of my entire life. And it's something that changes you forever. To be in the arms of our father. As they finished the surgery and I finally woke up, it started to get me dressed and so I could sit up. And uh, we went into the, into the post-op room where I got a chance to sit down. They had some snacks and they have some drinks for you and kind of doing some final paperwork and Howard the attendant kept telling me it's like dude so that was wild he said we really didn't know what happened because suddenly your heart rate just fell well during that whole surgery process as well something else had happened they had taken that sample to look at they had sent it over to their in-house lab tech who's a PhD one of the best in the industry she had done the analysis. She brought it up under the magnification of the microscope. You see, my vitality, those semen that had little tails, were perfect. They said they had hardly ever seen anything like that in the history of the clinic. The doctor said it was as if you were 18 years old. That was also when I was still a virgin in this world. And God had restored me to perfection. And he wrote on my file, he says, I have never, ever written this on anybody's file. He says, your condition is super excellent. This is um, a pretty powerful day. Because this is much deeper than me. This was never about me. This is about the entire process of restoring men, of restoring men in the church, of restoring men in the family, of restoring the family, and restoring the strength of the root of Adam. And it's a lot to take forward and a lot for us to process, and me in particular. And I'm taking you on this journey because it's God's journey. 
And it's an important one to understand because this fight that we've been in with the politics, the, the economics, the this education systems, the root of all of it is the family and getting the men restored to being able to bear the seed of life once again. And I will tell you, when you're held in the arms of God and he gives you the confidence that those changes can be made and that a simple action of one can have a ripple effect on a pond that can change the many, there is only one word that you can speak, and that is yes. So tonight, I sit in a hotel room in Tucson, blessed beyond measure, humbled beyond words, thankful that I can sit and tell a story that's God's story about restoration of a world that has lit a fire in the heavens that I don't quite understand. But I know that now things are changing because today was a victory. It was a big victory. And I know it was a victory because I know that there was a lot of effort over the last few weeks to try to derail me in multiple ways. And the closer I got to this, there was more attempt to de derail me, to ruin friendships, to, to use the, the powers and the influence of that sexual darkness and everything I rebuked and everything I overcame. And I overcame it because of our, of our incredible father. And I overcame it because of incredible people that walked that line with me and walked the edge of that sword. And we overcame it. And that victory now is heard because God made a statement today. He made a statement to evil that I'm bringing my men back and I'm going to restore the family and the family is going to be part of restoring my church. And it's a word to Satan to let him know that your days are now numbered. Because when this comes back in the wave that it will, there'll be nothing left of the chaos which you've created. One person at a time. One yes at a time. One victory at a time. But every victory counts. And in kingdom, the yes and the heart of God and the willingness to bow before him, to submit yourself and to let him burn the dross from the silver and to let yourself be put through the fires, no matter how difficult and how painful, to give him the total yes. All God is asking for is your heart. And from there, the victory is won. Let's pray. Father God, there aren't many words that can totally express the experience and walk of today other than to say thank you and, other that, and, and to say that what has been given back to me is something beyond words. For as this was finished today, I, for, I felt the step as if I had been living on the edge of the river and now finally I'm back in the river with that perfect kayak and that perfect stroke. You gave that to me today, Father. As I pray that for every man 
who has gone through this decision to have it redone, I wish them the same blessings. And for every family that has put a stop to the blessings of children, I ask that these stories will now begin to resonate to understand that it is not our role to do so. But it is us to receive the blessings of children uninterrupted and put our eyes and faith on you. For that is truly to expand the kingdom. So Father, let this moment be one that you will lead my words to speak messages that are truly of your heart, that will resonate in the many to awaken their hearts, to turn the tide on this war on family, and to try to reclaim and once again finally reclaim that high ground where family reigns one and all, above all, where the churches become the protectors and the stewards of the next generations, not to limit family, not to encourage insanity or perversion, but to cleanse themselves from top to bottom with men who are mighty men, men who believe in big families, men who believe in the hardworking days, men who cherish their wives, men who step aside from their obsession with sex and now focus on the nurturing of a relationship of purity and love of our Father. And Father, I pray that this day will be all of that, that it will lead to the restoration of tribes and the rebuilding of nations from a simple act, as remote and as odd as it may seem, Father. What you have shown me is the power truly of one and the power of yes. So thank you, Father. Thank you. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. Well, Father, I will just, Father has spoken in, a, in an amazing way. And there is so much ahead. It is going to take people to have courage to hear the message, receive the message in their heart and then to do what they know is right. And that's ultimately where the victory rests. The victory for our lives rests in our obedience to Him. The victory of our lives does not rest in our obsession with media and nonsense. The victory in our lives rests with the obedience to Him in the framework of scripture and to do so by putting truly our power in faith in all things. And when we do that, mountains literally move. And he leads us to places that we may never thought we would be. As Paul Cantrell said to me today, he said, brother, if I had, someone had told me a year ago, when I sat with you in my house in Canby, Oregon, that a year later I would be here in Tucson helping you film a surgery of a reversal of a vasectomy. He said, I would have told them you're crazy. But he said, today is one of the great days of walking with you in restoring the family. These are truths, and this is how God works. So, say yes. And then live in the yes. Don't deviate. Don't bow. 
Hold on. Let the fires burn. Let those refining fires remove the dross and let the silver be purified. Let the silversmiths reform you. And watch what Father will do. Because the one thing that's absolutely clear is when those fires first light up, there's always fear of wondering what will happen. But the more that you have them burn in your life, the more relaxed it becomes because you know what rests on the other side is the greatness that only Father can bring. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bat at evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I think we're going to have a show tomorrow morning. That depends because I have a doctor's appointment early as a follow-up. If not, we'll do bended knee later in the morning. And then we should be back to regular show schedule by tomorrow evening. Just keep a lookout for the posts. Thank you. Thank you all. It's an important community and a lot of it has been given to me in ways I have short words tonight to express other than thank you. So until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deepest end. Oh, I want to feel something. Let me get back in my body.
Can't trace your face.